Hello and welcome to Come Follow Me Podcast. This week we're reading Helaman chapters 1 through 6. The time of the Savior's coming is drawing really close. In rapid succession, we see several great prophets pass by, from Alma, who was translated, to Captain Moroni, who fought next to Helaman, who had two sons, missionary sons, Nephi and Lehi, named after their forefathers. In these chapters, Helaman gives up the judgment seat to his son Nephi, who then, because of the wickedness of the people, gives up the judgment seat to go be a missionary with his brother, Lehi. Chapter 5 describes the scene around them as they leave everything behind to preach the gospel to both the wicked Lamanites and the wicked Nephites. This is verse 1 through 4 of chapter 5. And it came to pass that in this same year, behold, Nephi delivered up the judgment seat to a man whose name was Caesarum. For as their laws and their governments were established by the voice of the people, they who chose evil were more numerous than they who chose good. Therefore, they were ripening for destruction, for their laws had become corrupt. Yea, and this was not all. They were a stiff-naked people, insomuch that they could not be governed by the laws nor justice, save it were to their destruction. It came to pass that Nephi had become weary because of their iniquities, and he yielded up the judgment seat, and he took it upon himself to preach the word of God all the remainder of his days, and his brother Lehi also, all the remainder of his days. Doesn't this sound like our world we're living in right now, where those who choose evil are more numerous than those who choose good? Back then, he says, they were ripening for destruction, and their laws had become corrupt. As I read this this week, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between what the Lamanites and the Nephites were experiencing and what we are going through right now in our day. And at this point in time, it's 30 B.C., 30 years before Christ is to be born. So Nephi and Lehi leave on their mission, and they have marvelous success. Verse 17 through 19 says that they preach with such power that they converted over 8,000 Lamanites. Listen to this description. It came to pass they did preach with great power, insomuch that they did confound many of those dissenters who had gone over to the Nephites, insomuch they came forth and did confess their sins and were baptized unto repentance, and immediately returned to the Nephites to endeavor to repair unto them the wrongs which they had done. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given to them that they might speak, and they also had what they should speak, given unto them. Therefore they did speak unto great astonishment of the Lamanites, to the converting them, insomuch there were eight thousand of the Lamanites, who were in the land of Zarahemla, and round about baptized unto repentance. And they were convinced of their wickedness, and the traditions of their fathers. Then we have an amazing story. One of my favorites we read about in the Book of Mormon. I'd like to point out as I read this story a few things that caught my eye, a few minor details that I think shed some light on what was happening 
during this marvelous miracle that God blessed them with. Starting in verse 20 of the same chapter, chapter 5, And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did proceed from thence to go to the land of Nephi. And it came to pass that they were taken by the army of the Lamanites and were cast into prison. This is interesting because it says, Even the same prison in which Ammon and his brethren were cast by the servants of Lemhi. The same prison. Fascinating. And after they had been cast into prison for many days without food, behold, they went forth into the prison to take them that they might slay them. I want to pause here for a moment to consider this scene. They're sitting in the same prison that Ammon and his brethren were taken and thrown into prison. And then similar to Ammon, were not given food for several days. Perhaps this was a forced fasting. What do you think Lehi and Nephi were doing in that prison? Sitting, hungry, perhaps praying. The perfect scene of great solitude as they pour out their hearts to their father. Not for their own well-being, but for the well-being of their brethren. An opportunity to serve and to preach. Consider that as we look at what happens next. It came to pass that Nephi and Lehi were encircled about as if by fire. Now this description they give of fire, remember that back then they did not have electricity. So their ability to describe what they were seeing was very limited. Could it have been a bright light that surrounded them? Could it have been a glowing scene? And the only way they could describe it was fire, because that's what gave them light. They were surrounded by fire, insomuch that they durst not lay their hands upon them for fear, lest they should be burned. Nevertheless, Nephi and Lehi were not burned. Now this next part I find fascinating, because the Lamanites see them encircled by fire before Nephi and Lehi even realize what's happening around them. They did not know they were encircled about by fire until they saw the faces of the Lamanites. And then they realize what's happening. Verse 24, And when they saw they were encircled about with a pillar of fire, and it burned them not, their hearts did take courage. For they saw the Lamanites durst not lay their hands upon them, neither durst they come unto them, but stood as if they were struck dumb with amazement. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did stand forth, and began to speak unto them, saying, Fear not. This phrase, fear not, is very common during a miracle as those stand in astonishment and wonder. Fear not, they say, for behold, it is God that has shown unto you this marvelous thing, in the which is shown unto you that ye cannot lay your hands upon us and slay us. And behold, when they had said these words, the earth shook exceedingly, the walls of the prison did shake, as if they were about to tumble to the earth. But behold, they did not fall. And behold, they that were in the prison were Lamanites and Nephites, who were dissenters. And it came to pass they were overshadowed with a cloud of darkness, and an awful, solemn fear came upon them. This word solemn means deep sincerity. So an awful Deep sincerity of fear, a true fear, a terrified feeling came upon them. 
came to pass there came a voice, as if it were from above the cloud of darkness, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, and seek no more, to destroy my servants whom I have sent unto you to declare good tidings. And it came to pass that they heard this voice. These next few verses describe what God's voice sounds like. This is very important. If we want to know what his voice sounds like in our lives, listen to this description. Verse 30, it came to pass they heard a voice and beheld that it was not a voice of thunder, neither was a voice of tumultuous noise, but behold, it was a still voice of perfect mildness. As if it had been a whisper, yet it did pierce them even to the very soul. And notwithstanding the mildness of the voice, behold, the earth shook exceedingly, and the walls of the prison trembled again, as if it were about to tumble to the earth. And behold, the cloud of darkness which did overshadow them did not disperse. And behold, the voice came again, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and seek no more to destroy my servants. And it came to pass that the earth shook again, and the walls trembled. And also again a third time the voice came. Consider other times when God had to speak three times. We know what happened when he visited the Nephites as the resurrected Savior. Consider also Peter. The voice came the third time and spake unto them marvelous words which cannot be uttered by man. And the walls did tremble again. And the earth shook as if it were about to divide asunder. And it came to pass the Lamanites could not flee because the cloud of darkness which did overshadow them. And also they were immovable because of the fear which did come upon them. That word is worth pondering over. As they stood witnessing the miracles of God, they became immovable because of the fear which did come upon them. Perhaps consider in our lives what fears make us immovable. Verse 35, And now there was one among them who was a Nephite by birth, who once belonged to the church of God, but had descended from them. And it came to pass that he turned him about, and behold, he saw through the cloud of darkness the faces of Nephi and Lehi. And behold, they did shine exceedingly. This man, this Nephite, they're focusing on for some reason. His name was Aminadab. We find out in verse 39. But what is the importance? They don't name the names of anybody else, nor do they describe their lineage, except for this man, Aminadab, who was a Nephite by birth, who once belonged to the church, but now he didn't. He's the one that looks through the darkness. He's the one that sees Nephi and Lehi as their face shone in brightness. He describes it, it says, Their faces were even as faces of angels. He beheld that they did lift their eyes to heaven, and they were in an attitude as if talking or lifting their voices to some being whom they beheld. And it came to pass that this man, Abinadab, did cry unto the multitude that they might turn and look. And behold, There was power given unto them that they did turn and look. Interesting symbolism there. And they did behold the faces of Nephi and Lehi. And they said unto this man, Behold, what do all these things mean? 
I wonder who he was to them. Why would they turn to him? It has to be more than he was a Nephite. They turned to him. What do these things mean? And Abinadab said unto them, They do converse with the angels of God. And it came to pass that the Lamanites said unto him, What shall we do, that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us? This question is so critical for those who face darkness in their life. Those that feel overshadowed by the evil influence. This is the question we should all be asking. What should we do? That this cloud of darkness should be removed from overshadowing us. Listen to Abinadab's answer. He said unto them, You must repent and cry unto the voice, even until ye shall have faith in Christ, who was taught unto you by Alma, and Amulek, and Zizram. And when ye shall do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. And it came to pass that they all, every single one of them, did begin to cry unto the voice of him who had shaken the earth. Yea, they did cry even until the cloud of darkness was dispersed. And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about, they saw the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them. And behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire, of light, of spirit, of pureness. Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them, and they were circled about as if they were in the midst of a flaming fire. Different description now, not just fire, but flaming fire. Yet it did not harm them, neither did it take hold upon the walls of the prison. And they were filled with joy, joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. Why would they use this description? Surrounded by now pillars of fire, as Alma and Nephi surrounded by flaming fire. And because of this, they experienced unspeakable joy and glory. These definitions, these descriptions are worth pondering. What can we do in our lives to get the cloud of darkness to disperse, to leave? How can we humble ourselves and repent that we might be encircled about by a pillar of fire, that we might experience unspeakable joy and glory? Verse 45 says, Behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and enter into their hearts, and they were filled as if with fire, and they could speak forth marvelous words. And it came to pass that there came a voice unto them, yea, a pleasant voice, as if it were a whisper, second time it said that, saying, Peace, peace be unto you, because of your faith in my well-beloved who was from the foundation of the world. And now, when they had heard this, they cast their eyes, as if to behold from whence the voice came, and behold, they saw the heavens open. Angels came down from heaven and ministered unto them. And there was about 300 souls who saw and heard these things, and they were bidden to go forth. Marvel not, Neither should they doubt. 
encouraging counsel for us as well when we've experienced the burning of the Holy Ghost in our heart to go forth in faith. Doubt not. Fear not. It's absolutely incredible what happens here to Nephi and Lehi and also the 300 who experienced it. But my question is, why all the drama? Why the fire that didn't burn them? Why the cloud of darkness? The voice of God shaking the earth? Why don't we see things like that happen in our day? The answer, I believe, is that it will. Maybe not soon, but we will see it. It's similar to the pendulum theory. If you're familiar with a pendulum, there's a line of steel balls attached to strings, and when one ball hits the other, the last ball in the line flies into the air with the same force from the opposite direction. What I mean by this is if we are walking the line that borders right and wrong, good and evil, there's no force pushing you in either direction. Our pendulum is still or barely moving. As the world becomes more wicked, the pendulum begins to swing. The laws of heaven are in balance, always. The more wicked the world becomes, the more miracles and wonders God shows. In our personal lives, the more we draw closer to God, the more of the adversary we will have to face. That is why it is so crucial for us to be on the right side of the line. Helaman describes it this way in chapter 5, verse 12, when speaking to his sons, Remember, remember, it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation. And when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwinds, interesting description, if you picture shafts in a whirlwind, yea, and all his hail, and his mighty storms shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to a gulf of misery and endless woe, because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereupon, if men build, they cannot fall. Note here that the more sure your foundation is, the greater the storms and the stronger the winds. But this is how God intended it. This is how the plan was designed. To give you something to hold fast to, to rely on, as the adversary who undoubtedly will always throw his biggest darts, his strongest force, his darkest clouds at you. Hold on to that foundation. Hold on to the sure thing that brings unspeakable joy and peace. If you feel like your life is void of anything powerful, I invite you, draw nearer to God. Your life will experience more challenges, but you will also see many miracles. Those Lamanites that Nephi and Lehi went to preach to, were in the lowest state they could possibly be. God sent a messenger to deliver them from their misery. And when they refused to hear the messenger, he shook the walls. He gave them an undoubtable experience. 
He said unto them, Children, this is not the way I have for you. Feel my love and come into the fold. And with this mighty miracle, they converted many of God's children. If God can have so much love for these wicked Lamanites who are doing awful things, imagine how much love he has for you. Imagine what miracles he has in store for you. Walk forward with strength and faith, knowing that God has his eye, his all-knowing, all-piercing eye on you. And as the adversary comes to attack you, know that he has your back. And he will deliver you. He always has. And he always will. I pray that you have eyes to see and ears to hear the miracles that he is blessing us with every day. This is my humble prayer. In the sacred name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.